Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded on this particular evening, uh, we have gone, once again, gone remote <laughs> to various regions around the metropolitan New York City area. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of The Fanatic, PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat, the news site of comics culture, at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher, and on Facebook with Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And don't forget, you can also rate our room, rate us, rate our podcast. Give us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. Thumbs up, thumbs down. We love to hear from our listeners. Reach out and Seriously. touch, folks. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, give us give us ideas of the kind of thing you might yeah. want covered. I can't promise you will take it, but if it's awesome, maybe we will. There you go. All right. This week on More to Come. Zest World snags $9 million in investment. Sounds like a small fortune in comics, huh? <laughs> uh, events around the world. Uh, book band, sad to say, continue. Uh, and there's a new Marjorie Lou Santa Takata graphic novel on the way. Okay. Um, Zest World. <laughs> and pardon my little joke about how to make a small fortune. Okay, we, we should let them know the joke. It's an old joke, listeners. It is yeah. it is older than me or well, you or Calvin. It is. Well, we've said the joke a million times here on almost every episode of More to Come, and it, but we can't say it enough because it's so true. It's true. It's so true. Well, the, the joke, of course, is how do you make a small fortune in comics? Well, you start with a large one. <laughs> so there yep. you go. All right. Um, uh, it, it, Zest World, a, a new comics venture. Um, it was announced earlier. I think it was sometime last year in all, in November. I think it, uh, uh, they launched with a, um, a platform that's going to incorporate, uh, uh, sub, a subscription based model, uh, that will, uh, they launched with a, a line, a stellar lineup of creators. Um, and they have come back several months later with, uh, a whole bunch of high-profile investors, um, really, really to put ready to put up big bucks to support this venture. Well, this is really part of the whole trend we've been talking about here on the podcast for you know really during the pandemic, and just of how comics are thriving and growing and booming, and you know now we're seeing tech investment money being poured into comics. I mean, nine million dollars is is. Um, you know, somewhat modest, I guess, by tech standards, but yeah. uh, not yeah. that modest. I mean, for comics, that's a pretty good seed fund. And um, the guy behind um, Zest World is, you know, now I should remember his name, but um, well, um, what the CEO is, uh, what, what um, the CEO and founder is Chris Gilberti. Yes, Chris Gilberti. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, just I'll, I'll throw this in here. I actually have talked to Chris, which is why I really mm-hmm. should remember his name. But, um, uh, you know, we, we talked off the record, so I cannot, um, you know, talk about what we spoke about. But, I, you know, I can talk about my impressions. And I will say um, he seems pretty cool. 
Uh, he did not, yeah. you know, he talks a really good game. Uh, they seem to have pretty good, you know, he has a great background and, and all kinds of media. So, well, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see yeah, where it goes. Didn't, didn't he used to work with, at Spotify? Was it executive? He did. He, yeah. he started a kind of online marketing company that marketed podcasts, and um, then that was purchased by Spotify. So, yeah. um, and he brought some podcasts to be developed, and now you know they've moved on to comics because apparently comics are. Excuse me. Somebody said to me that, and regarding all this, that they were talking about how podcasts. Were the new comics? Okay, okay. And that is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, so, there you go. Well, we've we well, lived, we lived long enough to see a we lot can of definitely things change. See some similarities. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, that's true. But, you know, I mean, it's a low bar to, to entry into the business. That's for sure. Um, uh, but 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 this new, I mean, Zestworld's platform uh, has a, is attracting. I mean, some pretty impressive. Uh, investors now it, it, the the total amount of seed money uh, yeah and, and as venture capital go it's it's not a whole lot for comics it is uh, as Heidi said it's very impressive it's actually nine point three seven million dollars um, some of the investors include General Catalyst another venture capital firm a, a capital firm and of course Reddit founder uh, and um, Serena Williams husband um, Alexis Ohanian uh, and his venture capital firm seven seven six. Uh, and there's a bunch of other people, uh, TaskRabbit CEO, Stacey Brown, uh, Philpot, Sherry Redstones, Advanced Capital, Twitch founder, Kevin Lynn. So, um, you know, it's, it's an, an interesting group of people and, um, much like another previous venture, Substack, they have launched with, you know, an impressive lineup of creators, Alex, the, Alex Segura, Jimmy Palmiati and Amanda Connor, um, Phil Jimenez. So, and they're also, uh, as as I understand it, the, these artists or this selection of artists anyway, new lineup uh, of star creators, uh, they're going to have the benefit of, you know, basically publishing original comics. They will own them completely. They are receiving uh, substantial compensation up front in the form of advances. Um, uh, they can do whatever. Whatever they want, they retain complete ownership of their works. And and I'd be curious to, uh, um, to, to hear what you think of this, Heidi, um, as far as you can comment on it. Um, it. There seems to be a model that has a little more features in it than what I'm seeing at Substack or what I've read about at Substack, particularly this platform that's offering a kind of suite of services to artists, um, everything from, you know, Business management, um, building an online community, marketing, rights management, guidance on NFTs uh, to the artists. So uh, it really seems like a platform that gives the artists a sort of a, a, bu a buffet of, of services that they can choose to, to use or not use, I would imagine. Um, and also, once again, this seems to be a model that's aimed directly at uh, – the prevailing model of publishing North American comics, I, you know, via you know, work for hire or you know, enhanced work for hire agreements. So at least that's my take on it. Well, I I don't know how unique it is. I mean, if they pull it off, they'll be in good company um, with places such as artists, writers, and artisans (AWA). But you know, they're not the first people to come in with venture capital money. Um, 
<laughs> no, and they're not they're the not. first people even to come in with venture capital money soliciting artist originals um, where, you know, they, they keep their IP. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely the way to go, and I'm all in favor of it, but let's not pretend they're inventing the wheel. Like, this is a model that works for a lot of people if you can make it work and if you don't grow too fast. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what's, you know, there was a couple of words when they set out the press release last week that everybody got a little upset about. Of course, one of them was NFTs. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's, to be honest, if you're a tech-based startup yeah. right now, you're going to include NFTs. I mean, yeah. that's just how it is. That's yeah. just how the world is working. And, you know, as I, I've said to a few people, it's like, you know, if you're going to boycott everybody who's into NFTs, then I hope you can grow your own food because, yeah. you know, everybody's into NFTs. Absolutely everybody is into it. So, um you yeah. know, what's interesting to to me about the whole thing is, and Kate, you're right. I mean, it's not entirely, you know, you know, I, I think you said, Calvin, I, I'm a little confused by you bringing up work for hire because I think they said that ever, it's completely creator owned, isn't it? No, I said it, it, it was a model that was, um, meant in, in, uh, in opposition to that, that yes, it's a model yes. to, to replace that. Right, yeah. right. Yes, yeah. I, I wasn't quite clear how you phrased it, but uh, yeah. Sorry, my, my yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. But, uh, it's yes. a, it's essentially um, you know re- completely removed from that. This is a a, a, a change. Yes. Yeah. They completely own everything. Right. So I mean, my uh, other observation is that um, you know we've talked about companies like AfterShock and AWA mm-hmm. and um, you know so many others that came into the business. With a very clear business model, put out a lot of comics and, you know, hopefully you get a movie or a TV show and make a lot of money on media, which is fine. Absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, and you know, I feel like, um, Substack has kind of moved the needle a little bit into a whole new kind of business model. I mean, Substack mm-hmm. doesn't get anything if mm-hmm. you get a movie made out of your, your comic. Okay. Mm-hmm. So their model is obviously the subscription based. And I feel like, like, uh, for what we know of Zest World, like, they're advancing it a bit more into a, even more, like you said, Calvin, offering this whole suite of services and, you know, with NFTs and all this mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, and you know, as I, I pointed out to, like, you know, how do you make a fortune, a small fortune in comics? Well, you get a movie made. You know, maybe another way is going to be NFTs, <laughs> you know? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. But I, I mean, it, I, I hope not. I, think that I don't like it. From what I've read about Substack, they, I mean, they, they offer, they seem to have, um, th- offer some level of services to the the artists at the top of their list. Also, seems like they, they, it seems like they sort of have kind of created these services as they go along, as opposed to Zestworld seems to have a model that they are moving to build. And like I said, I'm just speculating, and I'm doing this based on the, the, the public announcements that they've made. And uh, so, uh, obviously, we'll see how it works out. But it, once again, it's an interesting time in comics, and, and artists have more options uh, uh, to yes. from than ever before. Yeah, and I mean, frankly, not owning the rights to the comic you publish is potential movies does not mean you will not get a cut of potential movies. Because, you know, when and if an agent comes sniffing around a comic you publish for a writer or artist, chances are 
you are going to know more about contracts and stuff than your writers. And you can probably somehow wheedle a cut for yourself by helping them. Um, and I would not be surprised if they don't offer that service. They would be a fool not to offer that service optionally to any of their creators who might desire it. Um, well, you know, and the same with NFTs. Yeah. And well, I, my speculation is that, um, you know, for certain services, <clears throat> authors, I mean, some of these authors here, they probably have their own support for dealing with, you know, uh, the media business and other things where others may not uh, and may choose to use. Uh, you know, for, I'm, I'm speaking of Zestworld here. So all of this is is, is to be seen uh, and worked out as we go forward. But it, it just they, they just struck me as having wanna... a kind of centralized platform that they're trying to build that seems to have some structure that we can kind of peer at at this moment. But right. we'll see how it plays out. We're, we're going to have yeah. to see. It's like, you know, absolutely. I mean, we've seen over the last 20 years. I mean, if you're a creator, comics creator now, you get an agent, you know, it's just mm -hmm. not a weird thing anymore. There's lots yes. of agents. And, you know, if you give the uh, the advice and some of the people obviously working with S-World have agents, but, yes. um, you know, agents only do certain things and having um, uh, a you know, management or services at their disposal is just, you know, creators don't, not everybody yeah. is Spike. Not everyone is Spike. Right. And, um, you know, we see that with Zoop too. I mean, that's another startup. Uh, well, that's a good, I think that's a good uh, comparison. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think they have $9 million yet. I mean, hey, listen, some of those millions of dollars are going to go into the hands of comics creators and I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Now, I'm also curious. I mean, Everybody, I mean, they're really, I mean, Zestworld is really reaching out to, hey, comics creators, come to us. Everybody is not getting a fat advance, I'm sure. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they scale up um, uh, and attract, you know, artists today who are just, just starting out, who don't have the, these massive platforms that they're actually bringing to Deswell. So that's going to be interesting, too. Yeah. Well, I would say, let's hope. It sounds cool. I hope they pull it off. Um, but I... There's something that's been sort of brewing in the back of my head since you mentioned about uh, podcasts being the new comics. I, I actually I actually see a parallel here, which I think we can dig down a little more into, which is, yes, it is a cheap way of create low barrier to entry way of creating comics. But also it is an art form in which um, a lot of companies and creators who don't really know the format very well or care very much about it try to parachute in thinking that they're going to create the next hot property and they rarely do. So that's why it's really good to be taking like the Zest World model where they're recruiting people who already know comics and love comics to make the comics they want to make as opposed to um, content mills. Uh -huh. yeah. You know, I mean, I am I'm not saying that PW Comics World More to Come is the world's greatest podcast. Mm -hmm. It's a perfectly good, earnest podcast that podcasts away. And that is what we do. But there are some podcasts that are literally SEO with hired writers and a hired voice actor who has no connection to the material that are 
brainless, heartless, badly researched. Um, well, true and, crime, and they never, they don't, they don't become hits. Those don't become hits. Yeah, and sure. and neither does somebody's um, market researched, created an algorithm uh, comic that they they create only because they think it's going to be a movie. Like you, you really do have to bring in real podcasters. You really do have to bring in real comic book people. And that's one thing that's good about things like artists, writers and artisans or zest world is that they are not like just hiring work for hire comics people and being like, here, here is our SEO generated list of topics. Do one <laughs> of these. Um, because those get forgotten real fast. I've seen. So many of those, they are so bad and no one ever buys them. Yeah. No, it's true. All yeah. right. Well, more to come. Uh, you know, Zest World is pretty much sounds like they're just getting started with their announcements. And uh, yeah, and be classic sense, there was more to come. There you go. All right. All right. Events around the world. Well, yeah, uh, cons all over the place happening, uh, or it happened. Uh, there was a whole big, um, uh, Bologna, I mean, Angoulême. So Angoulême <laughs> wrapped up in France last week. Um, I think we mentioned that, uh, Julie Doucet was yeah. the, uh, yeah, we covered that in the last time we mm-hmm. had our, our, uh, get together, but, um, uh, you know, sound like it was a great show. Uh, sadly, yeah. it does sound like a lot of people got COVID at it. Uh, this might be, yeah, I've heard first- this. Show well. that was act that first Comic Con that was actually a super spreader event. Um, unfortunately, due to Omicron B, which is raging mm-hmm. through, through uh, Europe right now, and um, so yeah, that that part isn't great. But then the Bologna Book Fair also right on the heels of it, and they had a big comics component too, right, Kelvin? Yeah, they did, and apparently, um, uh, I don't know all the details, but I did get a, you know, a flag from our friend of the show, uh, Ivanka Hannenberger. And, um, it, it, apparently graphic novels and illustrated books of all kind, uh, particularly aimed at, um, the children's and the young adult market were, uh, really big, uh, really exciting, uh, for the people there. Um, uh, there's an article in the bookseller, the, um, Basically, they publishes weekly of, of the UK, really talking about um, uh, how excited people were about um, how, how how this category has grown. Um, uh, and of course, finally, people are back together again. Um, yeah, I mean, if you've never been to the Bologna Book Fair, and as it turned out, I actually went for the first time just before. Uh, the pandemic hit in uh, March 2020. Uh, it's really kind of a startling event. It, you know, it, in in some ways, I mean, Bologna is obviously a much bigger city uh, than Angoulême, but it, it it really does sort of take over this old European t- uh, city. Um, but um, uh, all of these kinds of books, um, apparently, uh, Hachette UK, um, uh, Simon Schulte, these are all British, the, the British sides of uh, uh, these American publishers. Uh, they were very happy with the, uh, the material that was displayed and just the enthusiasm. And of course, being back, being back with real people at an international event once again. Yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of happy people at Angle M too. And, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. didn't get COVID also. Don't let me, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like everybody, but 
But um, you know, there was, it was unfortunately it's 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 pretty bad right now in Europe. So um, yeah, uh, yeah, comics are continuing, right? You know, as we get back together. And so, uh, meanwhile, however, in the convention world, um, as I call it, con. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Yes, consolidation. There you so, go. We, you know, all we've talked a lot on here about how all of the major events uh, companies during the pandemic had to scale back, had to have layoffs, had to, um, you know, reorganize basically because there, you know, we had pretty much a solid year without events, and um, one of them was when Wizard World was acquired by Fan Expo, which is um, one of the biggest event companies in North America. So here's a little bit smaller, but um, uh, Ace Comic Con, which was kind of a mega uh, celebrity show, really wasn't a Comic Con, although it called itself Ace mm. Universe, started out as Ace Comic Con. But you know they had spectacular celebrity signings, and uh, they have been shut down since uh, COVID hit, and they have kind of merged into Left Field, which is the company uh, run by Friends of the Podcast, um, Greg Depalian, who okay, yeah. founded mm-hmm. it, and uh, they put on Anime NYC and um, Awesome Con. And awesome on, Con, yeah. Yeah, so basically Ace Comic Con is bringing its spectacular celebrities, which include for Awesome Con, which is in Washington, D.C. in June, uh Simu Liu, who played Shang-Chi, and other cast members from that film. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised to see kind of these autograph-based mm-hmm. conventions kind of get absorbed by shows that have a wider focus. I've just said all along that if, you know, like celebrities are the crowning jewels, but you have to have the setting, which is the, the Comic-Con and um, you know, it's 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 Ace Comic Con moving into Le- into Awesome Con, not the other way around. Yeah, and as someone who has gone to Anime NYC, although this may be unique to Anime NYC because it's an anime convention, the floor presence was really good. The publisher presence was before this past year really good, but not a lot of guests. Not a lot of guests, uh, you know, not a lot of, you know, signatures, not a lot of celebrities, not a lot of any of that, which it was fine. The show did fine without it. But I could definitely see how if there are other shows are like that, where they're maybe a little lighter on the uh, people who might do a signing, that this might actually be a really good match because you're taking um, autograph experts, as it were, and bringing them into a otherwise fairly robust con company yeah which does not specialize in signatures mm-hmm. at all yeah it's it's a win-win it's yeah. really a win-win i mean i think you know ace launched with an event a few years ago well i guess it was like five years ago jeebus h uh <laughs> that had almost the entire cast of uh, Justice League. They had Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot, Ray Fisher, wow. the whole. Yeah, yeah it was spectacular. It was, but like I said, it was mm-hmm. incredible, incredible lineup. You know, they've had Orna, Ben Affleck. He did his first. So you know, they have access to the yeah. highest level of celebrity, and yeah. you know, like, that, that's great. I like you said, you used the right word, Kate. Robust. I think it's fine. Yeah. Have something for everybody, and I'll have it all under one roof. That's the whole Comic Con, um, you know, yeah. action. That's and, what um, Comic Cons. They are basically paying to access whoever has that amazing Rolodex 
which I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know what their hookup in the industry is, but they must have a really good one to get the people they get. And uh, this is not like your sad little New York cons of the <laughs> early 2000s. So, yeah, you know, this can end well. Yes. Yeah, and I can see where two companies actually, you know, partnering after the devastation of the, the pandemic <laughs> um, makes a lot of sense. And Awesome Con is, is a really good time. I, 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 I haven't been in a, f- a few years, but uh, the time I did go was great. It was a yeah, great show. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, <laughs> I'd like to just point out one other thing. Despite I think I've mentioned this on, the, on this podcast before, but I think it bears repeating that Anime NYC was not a super spreader event. Yes, even it though was not. Omicron, the first case of Omicron in the United States mm-hmm. was someone who went to Anime NYC. It was the CDC says. Yeah, there was a report. Charts. Issue. So <laughs> just, just, you know, just anime. We love anime NYC. It's yeah. really, a really fun show for the community. And, you know, I hope, uh, you know, they kind of got tarred with that brush a little bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully it really wasn't fair to them because no. they really, their precautions worked. They took mm-hmm. good precautions. And to be fair, the guests really lived up to them. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for the cultural influence of uh, Japan, home of lots of face masks uh, in a pandemic, Um, because all those anime fans, they understood face masks and they kept them on. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say we're all con bound this weekend, right? Calvin and Kate, you're going to Mocha. Yes, absolutely. This weekend, Mocha, the Museum of Comic Cartoon and Comic Art. Uh, is back. They are restarting. Uh, and in fact, uh, last week's podcast was an interview with um, Nell Miller, the executive director of the Society of Illustrators, which manages the Mocha Art Fest. And um, we talked great a bit about restarting the show, lessons she's learned, and also a stellar group of guests that she's uh, that they've arranged to be there this year. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm. It's uh, um, uh, this will this podcast will go up on Friday and. The show is uh, Saturday and Sunday, April 2nd and 3rd. Uh, I'm going to be a, a, a judge for the Awards of Excellence. This is kind of the show awards uh, that are given out um, uh, and chosen during the show. Uh, in addition to two great days of programming, which actually will be held at the School of Visual Arts, and the new venue for MOCA this year is uh, what the Metropolitan Pavilion on West 18th Street. It's like basically 18th Street between 6th and 7th Avenue. So, uh, and and they've got a great list. I think Archie Johnson is going to be on, is one of the uh, presentations. He's going to be uh, interviewed on stage by uh, Julia Rothman, who does those great books of um, illustrations. Uh, Durf is going to be here talking about um, uh, the Kent State book. Uh, the, uh, the Funny Ladies of the New Yorker are going to be here again. Uh, and it's much, much more. Yeah, I'm devastated to miss it. Um, Kate, are you going? Yeah, I'm going to try to go. I mean, I'm trying to negotiate other stuff in my life around it, but I really would like to go because it's been a while and I love Mocha. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm devastated to miss it because, um, I have not, you know, the New York comics community, the indie comics community is strong and huge and I haven't seen it for, uh, you know, 
this will be three years. You know, everything that's happening is for the first time in three years. Yeah. So uh, that's a bit of a shocker. But um, I unfortunately I committed to go to WonderCon before I knew that Mopa was the same weekend. But um, you know, I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm cool, absolutely thrilled to be going to WonderCon, um, which is out in Anaheim, and uh, there'll be a lot of uh, great comics folks there. You know, Gene Yang is going to be there. Um, Becky Cloonan, um, David Walker, all people who've been on the podcast. It's like a who's who. Uh, also Keith Knight will be there, uh, talking cool. about woke. And, uh, I actually did a little interview with Keith that'll be on the beat, I think tomorrow, but maybe Friday. Oh, cool. Uh, talking about the second season of woke, which is, uh, coming, uh, on April 8th. So. Love it. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. It was really great. I was, it was, you know, we've talked about woke, which is based on Keith's comics and, uh, airs on Hulu and stuff. As a character named Keith Knight, um, we've talked about that here before. Just you know, it's cool to see somebody that you know we've been friends with for so long. Yes, <laughs> you have to have a TV show based on their life. Yes. So it was, it and was who, fun. Yep, and who who came through the whole alternative yes. comics? You know, uh, um, I don't know what it did. You know, Chitlin Circuit. I mean, yeah. he, he yes. worked his way all all the way back up to the movie world, so uh, the TV yeah. world. So yeah, um, so, uh, yeah. So yeah, so. Uh, you know, a, a, a great New York show returns. Um, looking forward to WonderCon. We, we, we're we're crawling back to some version of, you know, the world we used to know. Yeah, and hopefully Omicron two doesn't in our punch bowl. Yeah, let's hope not. All right. You know, I mean, my guess is <laughs> enough Americans caught Omicron that. Our very like ineptness may protect us from Omicron too. We'll see. Um, well, I mean, uh, don't, don't curse me, uh, Omicron. Yeah, right. Uh, Jinx we'll yourself. See. Yeah. Well, we're not epidemiologists. However, it does. Uh, you know, Omicron two is here and uh, it's ticking up. So we'll see. But um, hey, you know, I'm it's, wearing it, my mask. I've got yeah, my KN95s. I'm wearing them. I so, am keeping the going. mask on. I am going to be at the con wearing a mask on the plane, wearing a mask everywhere, wearing a mask. Yeah. And I don't care if they stare at me. I'm going to wear a mask. Um, you know, unless I'm outside having a glass of Sauvignon Blanc, which <laughs> I suspect gonna, you will be. <laughs> I hope so. That is my goal. So. <laughs> All right. So we, uh, you know, we, uh, continuing story here. Unfortunately, we could do a podcast about nothing but, uh, book removal, yeah. book banning. Um, where, but, you know, ongoing continues. One that was raised is Persepolis has been removed from a school curriculum from, uh, uh, which Persepolis has been around for 20 years. It is been taught in schools for 20 years. Uh, you know, it has been banned before. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is a very mm-hmm. challenge, yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's like uh, they didn't like the violence in the book because, you know, the violence and torture. Well, it's a book about the Iranian Revolution that was full of violence and torture. So, yeah. like, you know, are you just, uh, you know, of course and, it does use the F word. And it's but. about escaping that and rising above it. It's it's that's why it's a great book. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Marjorie Sopropi's memoir, you know, uh, of. Yes, of growing up and and moving on. Yeah, I just I just don't understand what is objectionable. You know, I mean, we've talked so much. Obviously, 
you know, genderqueer and any kind yeah. of gay or queer content is just uh, – yeah, and gay queer people, pardon me, you know, not just mm-hmm. books but actual human beings are just under fire right now. And, um, you know, Persepolis is not about queer themes at all. Um, it's – I guess they like, um, you know, Sharia law. Uh, yeah, which is- I mean, that's what makes it a little surprising, because I would think that people and forces that uh, Persepolis targets as correctly as negative, which is to say <laughs> the authoritarian government of Iran is something that Americans of any political party could get behind being like, yep, theocracy in Iran, not good. I mean, I don't think. Many Republicans would be like, no, man, I love Iran's theocratic government. Like, so I'm not really sure what, like, what perspective in this situation would have an issue with this book. It seems pretty nonpartisan in America. Yeah. Well, they say it has the F-bomb, which, you know, it does have strong. I, I know. For yeah, well, it's, you know, it's a coming of age story and, and, and growing, you know, uh, uh, growing up under the Islamic revolution and escaping it. And, uh, and it's, you know, she, it's, it's, you know, it's funny and it's, it's wise and it's also harrowing. So, um, you know, it's the stuff of life and that seems to be what people object to. Yeah. So, um, but we will continue to support these books. Um, you, you can't really remove them. Um, from the world, even if you can remove them from a reading list. So, yeah. um, uh, well, we'll find is, ways to support these books. You know, yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, the battle continues and, um, just there was, uh, you know, Disney employees staged a walkout oh, right. last yeah. week to protest, uh, Florida's onerous and horrific don't say gay bell. And, uh, a lot of Marvel, uh, employees walked mm-hmm. out as well. A lot of queer Marvel employees, uh, Marvel comics. So, um, you know, that continues to ongoing protests against, you know, what is, I, I, I don't mean to be so dark, but, you know, this is going to become, if things keep going the way they are here in America, this is going to become a humanitarian crisis of its own. I, yeah. I'm not convinced that it will end up going that way because any number of times, even in my Lifetime, I have seen people go, if this, you know, goes to its logical extent, then insert bad thing here. Uh. And I mean, that's not to say things are never bad. They're bad. But I will say that so far, crossing my fingers, um, things tend not to go to their logical extent because thankfully enough people stand up against them, but you know, we need to keep standing up against them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I understand what, what Kate is saying too. Yeah. And, and, and you know, whatever faults the, uh, the system uh, that we live under uh, have, uh, it's not a passive one. And um, the reaction against uh, these kinds of political decisions um, very often, you know, that, these acts can be the, the, the ignite the reaction against them. So we're going to see, uh, certainly uh, people are already organizing to fight these. I mean, uh, I don't claim to have know all of the details of the don't say gay bill. What I have read, uh, I, I do find frightening, uh, and overly broad and it, and it's sort of written in a way that you can make it, um, uh, 
uh, as much about, you know, so-called so-called parental discretion as you as it is about ordinary conversations in a classroom um, uh, between teacher and student and a trusted relationship uh, could be challenged. So hopefully uh, in these communities where these laws are being passed, uh, we're going to see a reaction against them. Yeah, the thing that's a little alarming about them, and I, I want to quick preface this with this, me saying, no, I am not saying this is the same as the Chinese Communist Party. That's not what I'm saying. But it is that same technique of writing censorship laws in a broad enough way that it is hard for people to guess what they can and can't say. Yeah. So yes. they will censor themselves yes. because they are afraid they might cross the line. So you can get away by chilling more speech that way than if you write it clearly. Because if you write it clearly, people will say, I object to this thing right here. But if you write it vaguely, people will go, oh, well, it can't possibly mean that in political arguments. But on the ground, people are like, crap, they might come down on me for any of this. So I better not even mention that gay people even exist anywhere ever. You can't mention your mom and mom like you because because it's vague. So, yeah, vagueness is censorship regulations. While some people might see that as, oh, it's not so bad. Actually, it's worse. It's worse to be vague than to be explicit because it leaves people to not know where the lines are drawn. Well, I hope this I, – I'm, I'm hopeful of to, to hear your optimism or, you know, positive thoughts about where we're going, Kate. And, you know, I just hope it calms down after Election Day. A lot of this is grandstanding for the midterms, but, um, you know, I hope it's, it is that. I hope it calms down. Well, it's grandstanding in general, but yeah. it's, it's just a matter of will they keep on this or will there be a new shiny thing to distract them? Um, and do will that thing be worse or better? Who knows? Um, you know, hopefully there will not be any shiny things to distract, you know, librarians and, and comics creators and and CBLDF type people. As we, you know, do our best to <sighs> make sure that there is a wide variety of reading material available to the American public. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen on that. All right. Um, so he- very briefly, I just want to quickly mention um, uh, Marjorie Liu, uh, f- the Eisner Award winning writer of uh, the Monstrous series and her creative partner, Sana Takata, the artist uh, on that same series, have a new graphic novel coming out. Uh, it's called uh, it's actually a trilogy. It's called the Night Eaters, Eaters Trilogy. The first book, The Night Eaters, She Eats the Night, uh, will be out in uh, October. Uh, they are claiming a 100,000 copy first printing. Uh, it's going to be published by Abrams Comics Art. Uh, it was acquired by Charlotte Greenbaum, who will also edit the book. And uh, I think we're all pretty excited to see a new book by uh, the Lou Takata creative team come out. Yeah, and we're talking about what we were talking about earlier about um – you know, authors who don't want to do it all themselves. I mean, they had a huge success at Image with Monstrous, you know, won Hugo Awards, won all kinds of awards. Yes. Arthur oh. Lou's the first woman to ever win Best Writer, Eisner. So, you know, you go. Um, 
And now they've moved to a full service publisher. Yeah. You know, so they don't yeah. have to do yeah. quite yeah. as much of everything as they did at Image Comics. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, the publishing, I, I always remind people, you know, the publishing world is a creator owned. <laughs> yes. That, you know, the book trade is yeah. indeed totally creator owned. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even an issue there in most, most cases. So, um, you know, they, they, it's, 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 very good deal. So I'm happy to see uh, Abrams get two really fantastic creators and uh, sounds like a really great book. And I'm sure it was a pretty good deal for these guys. A hundred thousand first printing is a vote of confidence. That is absolutely the case. So um, and uh, one more thing, uh, I'm going to direct people to go over to publishersweekly.com slash comics. We've got a uh, great interview there with what's it, with Alex Segura. Um, <laughs> uh a comics writer, a comics publishing executive um, uh, uh, extraordinaire. Uh, and, oh, and I oh, and I left one thing out: mystery novel crime writer mm-hmm. extraordinaire, best-selling. His new novel, Secret Identity, um, uh, is is out. Uh, uh, Bridget Alveson does an interview with him for us, where he talks about. Um, how his life really played into writing this novel as a comics fan, comics writer, crime writer, and comics publishing executive. He's currently, I think, um, a VP of publishing and marketing at Oni Press, and he worked for years at um, Archie. Uh, 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 and know, DC Comics before and, that. Yeah, DC he's done comics, it all. He was at, at DC Comics as well. And so it's uh, it's it's getting great reviews. It's a murder mystery set in a uh, kind of a third rate superhero publisher set in New York of the 1970s. Uh, and it's um, uh, it's a, it's it has a great female character. And it also includes a, a an actual comic um, uh, drawn by Sandy Gerald within the prose novel. So uh, uh, go to our page and read our interview and then go out and buy the book. There you go. Uh, so we have a few uh, briefs for this edition, I believe. Uh, Kate, you had. I do indeed. So the first one I'm going to bring up is that <laughs> there is an odd little manga, a lesser known in the United States little manga to the point where uh, they have never reprinted the hardcovers um, and they're going for ridiculous prices on Amazon. So you kind of have to get them uh, in Kindle edition. Um, Therme Rome, a manga about a man from the Roman Empire who builds Roman baths uh, being magically transported to uh, Japanese onsen, which are also public baths, has it's it won an awful lot of awards in Japan. I mean, it won the, the Tezuka Asamu Cultural Prize. Um, it, it had its own television adaptation in Japan. Um, it has now been adapted into a Netflix anime called Therme Rome Nove. Um, so if you want to learn more about Japanese baths, Roman baths, Japanese perspective on Roman baths, Roman perspective on Japanese baths, this is the anime for you. Um, like I said, it's it's one of those things that I think 
Japanese and American publishers figured would be highly niche in America. But uh, Netflix has rolled the dice and taken a chance. And you may wish to as well. All right. And uh, very quickly, one last um, news brief. Um, uh, some of you may ha- uh, be familiar with the uh, Danish animated film called Flea. Uh, I think it's the story of a gay Afghan man's uh, uh, basically escape from his country uh, to, to Denmark as a refugee. Uh, it was nominated in three categories at the Oscars, and it's being adapted into a graphic novel for young adults by Scholastic. Uh, I have not seen it, but uh, my wife, Jody Culkin, friend of the show, has. And she loves it. Uh I've also heard, uh, uh, it, it obviously, um, uh, the Academy loves it as well. So we can't wait to see it, um, adapted into the, the graphic novel, uh, format. So more to come on that. Absolutely. Comics are everywhere. There you go. All right. Uh, so I think that's it. Everybody have a great time at the show. Enjoy yourself at Mocha. Say hi yeah. to everyone for me. And you do the um, same at WonderCon. All right. And I guess, uh, next time we're together, there will be. More to come.